doesn't just say, okay, David, you're off. I've done it. I created you. I did this. I, I, go on. No, he cares for us. Um, I'll get to my sermon in a moment, but one of the thoughts I've meditated on that verse, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. And God gave me a, a vision of looking at it differently. When he says he cares for you, he just challenged me to emphasize it a little different. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. In other words, he takes all my cares and he makes them his cares. <laughs> now, he doesn't just care about me. He actually takes my cares and says, I'll care them. I know that's bad grammar, but it's good theology. <laughs> I'll care them. I'll, I'll take them. He doesn't just care for you, but he actually cares for you. And he challenged me. He said, David, you've got things you can't handle. Let me care them. Let me have them. He, he's, he's so good. He's so good. Because I've found I ain't so good. I'm going to stick with the bad grammar today. I ain't so good. But he's so good. And he comes to me in my down and out moment, and he speaks to me. <laughs> he doesn't say, okay, David, when you're up here, I'll just wait till you're up here. He comes to me in my down and out moment, and he meets me there. <laughs> He's so good. I'm so thankful for a father who loves me despite me. Come on. That's a little sermon in itself. But I, I can't encourage you enough. I feel like Paul, I beseech you. <laughs> I beseech you. I, he's so good. <laughs> he's so good. And we have announcements. These are the most announced, uh, inspired announcements you're going to have. <laughs> yeah, I know. People are saying amen, hallelujah. We have a bunch of touch cards, just cards kind of sharing a little bit of what's happening this fall. There's a few different ones. They're available. A couple things for, for note. Parents of youth, look at me now. Cleo and Will have some exciting things that they're looking at doing with, with the youth. And one of them involves people driving your children. And so there's a page that you have to sign off and sign up for with respect to driving. So Cleo, if you could see her at the end of the service, she has that. Ladies Bible study, one of the touch cards. The first one starts on October the 4th, which is a Tuesday evening. And um, the ladies are looking at the book called Embracing Joy, which is 
from the book of Philippians, written by Mark Batterson, who is a phenomenal writer. If only I could write like him, um, but yeah. Um, but uh, that information's at the back. The cost is $30, and you have to register and order the books. If you have any questions, talk to Pastor Brenda. She will be available after the service. Next Sunday, next Sunday we are not meeting here. We are meeting at 12 noon at my place, the Stunerberg's house, the compound, um, as some people would say. 12 o'clock picnic, 12 o'clock next Sunday. The last time we met, we had that huge water slide, and us guys actually went on it, and it was like pretty awesome. Uh, we're going to have that again. So I want to tell you, come and bring somebody with you. Even if I don't recognize their face, I'll let them on the property if they come with you. So bring somebody next Sunday. Bring some food, chairs, and listen, it's rain or shine. So I'm believing for shine because that beats the rain on a Sunday. But um, next Sunday noon at my place. If you need information, you don't know the address, come and see me. We're out by the Abbotsford Airport, and uh, it's going to be a great time. Yeah, because they're going to be hungry. they got to bring their own food. What about drinks? Um, you're not even here. <laughs> it's like they're not even going to be here, and they're worried about food and drinks. But thank you, because I've got a water tap, and that's it. No, um, we have some juice, we have some pop, some soda. We still believe we can drink soda on a Sunday. It doesn't count. Um, we have coffee, the coffee truck. Yeah, remember the coffee truck? He actually made Italian sodas too, not only coffee, but cold stuff. Um, so that is going to be happening. We have a barbecue that if you bring something that you'd like to barbecue, um, and we'll have my daughter Vanessa start it because she likes to see things explode so uh, she'll start the barbecue for you we were camping this week and we had this little ring and I started the first night no problem she started and all of a sudden she goes woof and I looked and the flame was about that high and she's checking herself so um, we'll keep her away from the flames um, I just laughed at you laughter is great medicine <laughs> amen if you want a good joke, you want a really good joke, Pastor Sean started a new job this week. Talk to him. Uh, it, it was, it's serious. Um, but, um, I would have him share it now, but I got to preach, and I want people thinking about what I'm preaching, not, not the joke. Ah, God is good, isn't he? Bad grammar, jokes, doesn't matter, he's good. Amen. Children, you are excused. And the teachers. This is a house of peace. We've been looking at that the last few weeks. This is a house of peace. The first week we talked about how God is the God of peace. If you want to get a picture of peace, look at God. If you want to get an idea of what peace looks like, you look to God. Not only is he God, the God of peace, but he's the giver of peace. 
It says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. It says that God is the way of peace. It says that God makes a covenant of peace. It also says that Jesus is our peace. So that was kind of the foundation. So when I'm talking about peace, I'm not talking about a peace, like peace dude, you know, like peace man from the 60s or 70s. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a peace that comes from the creator. I'm not talking about an absence of hostilities between people, although that's great and that is peace, but I'm talking about something greater. I'm not talking about something that's temporary. By the way, the peace that Jesus brings is not just a temporary fix. It's actually, it's not like him just wiping the table and getting rid of the spilled milk. It's like he gets to the root of the problem and he deals with the root of the problem and he annihilates it completely so that it can no longer have a dominion over you. The peace that God has is permanent. It's permanent. You and I can live in a peace that goes beyond explanation, beyond understanding. I've experienced that in the last few years. If I can get a little personal for a moment, I've literally fallen on my knees saying, God, I can't do this. And somehow his peace comes and is there for me. His peace is permanent. It's real. It's powerful. It's a peace, as Psalm 23 says, that in the midst of my enemies, he prepares a table, he bids me come, and we have a meal together. Can you imagine stopping all hostilities and having a meal while your enemy is out there going, what is going on? Why isn't he engaging? He's sitting there having his pizza. He's sitting there having a meal, and I want to engage him. But the peace that God has is something that surpasses the hostility, the issues, the times, and it's a peace with him. His peace is connected with his presence. And I have found... I'm a lover of his presence. In Genesis 49, it says, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. When we come Sunday morning, we're not coming to, to be together just to see each other, although that's great, but we are the first and foremost, we are here to give him honor, to give him praise. Because I have found when I walk outside these doors, and sometimes even when I'm inside these doors, uh, the torment or the, the voices, the issue, the pressure can be real. But he's greater. He's greater. Last week I talked about the peace that destroys the chaos. But not only that, it destroys the authority that creates the chaos. That's why you and I can have a lasting peace because the one who creates peace, the one who is peace, has destroyed the one that tries to create that chaos. 
I think of the, I'm trying to be serious, but I get this picture of Linus, the, com the, the comic book Charlie Brown, and Linus, and, and he'd have this little whirlwind of dirt and dust everywhere he went. Okay, well, thank you. That's how good my memory is. I'm getting older. Pig pen. But we're not allowed to use names like that anymore. But God comes, and he's a whole new person when the king's there. Jesus inspired the words of the, the people that wrote the, the word of God. That it's The Holy Spirit gave them writing. And Paul writes, he says, you are a new creation or a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Don't keep reliving your past when God has given us something new. I don't consult my past when I see what God has for me. So the title of today's sermon is When Demand Exceeds Capacity. What do you do when the demand of life exceeds the capacity to cope? Because if we're going to be honest, I think we have found <laughs> in real life, it's been pretty apparent the last two years especially, but even before COVID, that some of the demands of life exceeded the capacity for many of us, including myself, to function. And sometimes the demands of life can be crippling. I have, I've been with people that literally are so entangled with the things of the world and life and the pressures that they don't know what to do next. And I'm here to tell you, the Prince of Peace has destroyed that which tries to hold and control and he's destroyed that authority so that you and I do not have to live in bondage or fear or feeling like we can't handle things. I'd also suggest to you that the best way to live is to live a life where the demand does exceed the capacity. So don't try to escape it Embrace it because that is where the power, the supernatural power of God. If you and I could handle things, we wouldn't need God. So the moment you feel overwhelmed, the moment you feel that demand pushing past the top, that's not a moment to give up. That's not a moment to give in. That's a moment to yell, say, God, I need you. So I would suggest to you to live a life and to appreciate and understand when the demand exceeds your capacity, that's where Jesus gives us 
a greater capacity. Don't have the fight and flight mentality where you leave, just as Pastor Daniel shared this morning, but have the capacity, the desire at that moment to say, I will take that pressure and I will actually embrace that pressure because that actually causes me to do things that I wouldn't do before. Whether it's a commitment to teach Sunday school, whether it's a desire to be friendly to people that are unfriendly, and instead of saying, God, get rid of them, maybe God's using them for me to become more friendly. Peace is not found in perfection. In fact, if you chase perfection, you will not have peace. You will have frustration. I think of people with all those dominoes. Can you imagine the stress level they have the moment they put in, like, domino number 100? And they want to put a 1,000 dominoes down and make this... They have to watch that thing like crazy... I mean, that's stressful. And that's trying to be perfect. You will lose your peace. You won't find peace in places. You won't find peace in places. You'll find it in the house of God. But if you go searching from one place to another to another, you will not find it. You will not find peace in positions. I'm trying a little trick here. I'm using all words with the letter P. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I've tried to improve my game. Y you won't find peace in promotions. Because what's going to happen is you're going to see somebody else that gets promoted and you're going to have unrest and stress. You're not going to have peace in pay. Because they have found when you get a pay raise, what happens is you don't usually stay at the level that you are financing. You, you rise to that level and you continue having debt and sometimes it gets worse because you know what? I make more pay. You're not going to find peace in people. You will only find peace in the person, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 26, verse 3, says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is steadfast or stayed on you. John 14, 27, Jesus says, I, I, this is powerful. He says, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. The actual peace that Jesus had, he said, and if you study this, you'll find he actually said, I am divorcing myself from this because he didn't need it in heaven. He's with the king. And he's saying, what I have here on earth, I will leave for you. <laughs> the peace that he had. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, be anxious for nothing but in Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make known your requests. Be anxious for nothing. 
doesn't say be irresponsible. It says be anxious for nothing. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I find the greatest battles of peace seem to be up here in a seven-inch space. And it goes from there and affects my whole body. In Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. In 1 Peter 5, 7, a similar verse, Peter writes and he says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Jesus, God our Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, they're so good. You and I have the potential and the ability and the possibility to live a life that exceeds the capacity or that exceeds the demand because we have the peace that rules our hearts. I'm not talking about a fad. I'm not talking about my truth. I'm not talking about ideas. I'm talking about a person. His name is Jesus. And I have found when life changes and life does change, he's the only one who does not change. And we sing that song, he never changed, but he changes everything. I'm so thankful that I have an anchor in God that when life blows me this way, the sway of life pushes me that way, the pressures knock me this way, I have an anchor. And there are times when I have grabbed onto that anchor and that's the only thing that I could hold on to. And he literally brought me peace when everything around me was turmoil. That's the peace. I can't explain it. I've talked to people. I've talked with other pastors. Say, How are you doing? I can't explain it. Amidst the pain, amidst loss, amidst heartache, and yet I have this peace. I've also found the peace doesn't just rest on this earth. The peace has given me a perspective of something greater than what I see. The peace that I have, I have found, is something that extends through eternity. And I live my life no longer just on the demands of this earth. I live my life on the demands of eternity. And it changes. My value system changed. When demand exceeds capacity, I wrote a couple notes on Facebook this week, and I had three people respond, which was a record. Um, <laughs> not that I count. I don't count followers. I don't count likes. No, none of that. But I asked for a couple thoughts on peace. And so Pastor Louise sent me a note um, 
and I want to read some of her thoughts because what I'm going to do is I want to give you David's rules for peace. And I say David's because I could be wrong. That's my brother who laughed. I thank God for brother. So here's some thoughts on peace. I can lose it without warning. You can say amen because these are Pastor Louise's thoughts, so they're really good. Um, I can lose it without warning. I find that in one moment, a comment or one photo, I can lose peace. So if my peace is gone, I go backtrack and I try to track to where I left it. If the cause can be found, I deal with it. For example, if it requires an apology, I will apologize. Another way to deal with the peace is to reduce your stressors by assessing if the stress belongs to you. One of the greatest ways to lose peace is to carry things you're not supposed to be carrying. I know some of us are the savior to everybody. I got news for you. No, you're not. No, you're not. If it doesn't, if the stress does not belong to me, I leave it with the Lord. And she gave an example, but I won't go to the example. Here's another one. Be informed and have faith. Last week I shared about how I lost faith, or lost faith, I lost peace. And I was stressing out something, and I didn't have all the information. When I got the information, there was nothing for me to lose my peace about. And I wasted time. Occupy your thoughts with good things. That's biblical, by the way. That's biblical. These are all biblical. Because Pastor Louise would never give you information that's not biblical. Pastor David... But Pastor Louise, no. Positive self-talk, that's biblical. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my... I had to say that verse because people... Positive self-talk? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. Be anxious for nothing. It says in Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you. If you wake up And you can't get back to sleep because you have no peace. I have found that is usually the worst time that I get. I'll toss and turn over things that I can't control and that I can't change because if I called that person at 2 in the morning, they wouldn't listen or answer the call. And if they did, they'd probably tell me to leave them alone. They're wanting to sleep. There's not a whole lot I can solve at 2 in the morning. And please don't call me. Thank you for understanding that, Shirley. (laughs) Listen, I had a call from the alarm company this week and I slept through it, so I'm going to sleep through phone calls. When you wake up and you can't get back to sleep and you have no peace and you go over every situation, and then in brackets, without even trying, by the way, here's some solutions. Get up, get productive, get into the word. Pray. Reaffirm your belief that God is in control. Put on some worship music. Distract your mind. Change the way you think. You actually control the way you think. Your thinking doesn't control you. You control you. 
So change what you're thinking about. Reevaluate the situation. Seek counsel if necessary. Pastor Nelson's phone number should be flashing above me right now. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. Get informed. Those are great. Thank you very much for them, Mom. Amen. Those are, I've got some too. But those are fantastic. Those are from years of life. By the way, if you want to get wisdom, you know what you do? You go after it. And if you want to understand how to handle peace better, go after it by talking to somebody who's been there, done that. Don't ask a rookie. Get a veteran, somebody who's done it. Someone who's raised kids. Someone who's been through financial expansion. Somebody who's felt the stress of finance. Somebody who's built a business. Somebody who started it new. Get around somebody like that. That's how you get wisdom. So here's my personal list of rules of peace. Start with Jesus. Number two, if you get to number two, go back to number one. I've got 30 of them, but start with Jesus. I I can't tell you how fast we forget to start with Jesus. We do. Come on, don't, don't. You're smiling at me, but you're going, he's stepping on my toes. How fast do we not start with Jesus? You have to train yourself to think this way, by the way. Train yourself to say, the first thing is, I'm going to go to the Word. What does Jesus say? What does the Word say? What does God say? What does the Father look at this situation? Holy Spirit, what do you have for me right now? You have to train yourself to think like that because it won't come automatically. It does come automatically after you do it, and you do it, and you do it and you do it, it becomes so boring because you keep doing it, but all of a sudden you get the results. If you will reap, if you don't stop sowing, keep sowing, keep doing it because you will get the results. That was pretty good. Number three, know your limits. I sound like a gambling machine and stay within it. But I don't believe in gambling. Do not gamble. But I'm talking about peace, rules of peace. Know your limit. If it's not your lane, stay out of that lane. We get into a mess of things when we're in places we shouldn't be. Count the cost. Here's one. Know what you can control and control it. And usually, you're looking at them. If you don't know what to control, look in the mirror. Know what you control, control it. Know what you cannot control, and don't try to control it. I cannot control you. God gave you a mind, a will. He gave you a decision ability. You decide. I'm not going to try to control you. I will beseech you. I will call on the name of the Lord for you, but you decide what you does. Have a healthy lifestyle. Live a balanced life. 
Actually, I wrote down in brackets, actually live an unbalanced life, 100% Jesus. That's my balanced life is completely imbalanced because it's 100% God. Have life choices. Know your priorities. In conjunction with that, know what's movable, what's negotiable, know what's immovable and not go negotiable. There's things that I will, I, I don't, they're, they're not high on my list, but there's other things, no, I will not. I mean, I will count how many fries I get from McDonald's. That is non-negotiable. I lose my peace when they don't give me all my fries. No, some mountains are meant for views and some mountains are meant for fighting for. And you need to know the difference. A lot of peace has to know, is it worth it? Is it not worth it? It's like an algorithm. If it's worth it, I go here. If it's not worth it, I go there. And then when I'm here, the next decision, is it worth it? I go there. If it's not, I go there. Peace is a person. He has the peace that passes understanding, but I find that the decision, he's already fought the battle and he's done it, but now it's up to me to live it. Choose your battles carefully. I think of Kenny, oh, Lord help me. I'm thinking Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. Know when to run. Another, oh, can't, oh Lord help me. <laughs> you don't have to respond to every call for your attention. Avoid a life of comparison. It's a robber and a thief. In conjunction with that, don't enter the thought of FOMO, fear of missing out. People get into trouble because they have FOMO. The only FOMO I want you to exercise is next Sunday, you've got to come to the party at our place. You don't want to miss that out, but otherwise, don't live in FOMO. Have the big picture in front of you and have the little picture in front of you. Sweat the details and don't sweat the details. I'm giving you, you say, well, that's conflicting. Yeah, because you have to know when is it important, when is it not. We live with an either-or mentality, but sometimes it's a both-and mentality. I'm hoping I'm caught. Some of these things you say, well, you just said that I shouldn't sweat the details. Yeah, there's things I don't sweat the details. Why? Because I have some amazing people around me who sweat them for me. But there's other things that I do sweat the details because they're my responsibility. And I have found when I try to tell those around me that are sweating the details, they know how to do it so much better than me. Simplify that which can be simplified. Simplify. I, 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 to me, I have the kiss, the kiss 
principle, keep it simple, Stunenberg. Other people say keep it simple, stupid, but it's keep it simple, Stunenberg. Establish peace and maintaining peace are not always the same. And by the way, if you want peace, you're going to go to war. Because you are going to have a battle. Jesus has already paid the price, but you're going to have a battle in your mind that you are not going to live in that torment. You're not going to live in that stress. I'm going to live this way. And, and the moment you make that decision, you know what? You're going to have a decision to make. Know your values for your sake and for your kids' sake. Parents, Know the value of what the house of God is and don't show up once a month. Teach your children the value of God's house because when you leave or when you tell them it's their decision, if you don't value the house, they won't. Your best chance of success is for you to value, to show them the value of God's house, that is the best uh, opportunity for them to succeed in coming. The, the statistics are staggering at how the, the attendance rate or the drop-off rate, and it's up to me as a parent to show my children the value of God's house. I even put my notes down. That's how worked up I got. I'm trying to be calm. But... If you don't express the value, and I'm talking generationally, the next generation won't pick it up. I'm so thankful. My parents taught Pastor Daniel. I already knew, but they taught Pastor Daniel <laughs> the value of God's house. You know what we did? Saturday night, we took our shoes out. We polished our shoes. We had a bath. We got ready for Sunday morning. You know what I do now? I prepare for Sunday morning, Saturday. In fact, sometimes I prepare earlier. Don't wait till you wake up and say, you know what, I feel like it today. That's not how you teach your children. That's not how you teach yourself. I'm so thankful, Pastor Nelson. There were times we had conversations and he would not budge. He knew what he would not give up on. There are things that we have in our DNA simply because we would not sacrifice those things. God's presence. We ain't going to be a variety club. We are God's presence. Worship the word. Fellowship. The whole series, this is a house, is what is important here. People come in these doors. I want them to know this is God's house. Identify your target. If you want peace, you need to identify your target. Know what you're aiming at. Even if you're not 100% sure and you can't necessarily describe it all, know where you're going. A lot of people miss because they don't know where they're going. I'm near the end. Ask for help. notes that Pastor Louise gave me. You want to get wisdom? Invite them out for coffee. They're a cheap date. Buy them coffee. <laughs> Buy
buy them donuts. They like Tim Hortons. They it's cheaper than Starbucks. Take them out for coffee and have a couple questions. Say, can I ask you some questions about raising kids? Can I ask you some questions about handling finances? Can I ask you some questions about canning peas or pears or peaches? Can I ask you some questions? And 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 literally take them out and ask them. It doesn't cost a lot, but the advice is invaluable. When the demand exceeds capacity, welcome it. Because that's an opportunity for God. And the last point I have is always remember rule number one, which is start with Jesus. Amen. You and I are carriers of peace. You either bring peace or you bring the whirlwind of dust. And God has eliminated the whirlwind of dust so that you and I can bring peace. Anybody here a candidate for peace? Anybody here a candidate for more peace? I pick an easy target. I figure there's got to be at least one hand in the crowd. If you want my list, by the way, I'll even throw in Pastor Louise's list. Message me, and I'll get it to you. So uh, this information, you don't have to, it's for you. If you'd like it, talk to me, and I'll get it for you. Can you stand? I'd like to close with a word of prayer. As I pray over you, I want to pray a blessing over you. I'd encourage you to open your hands as a simple gesture, body language, to receive. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. I can't tell you how much I love and appreciate you. Have an amazing week. I'll bless you.